T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I wouldn't give up my first-round pick this year. I wouldn't do it. You know, if you want to start talking about picks that can rise according to how Carson plays if he finishes in the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. You know, a second-round pick might become a first-round pick. But I, I got to see a better production from him uh, in order to make that deal in, in part ways with the first-round pick. I mean, let's face it. The Eagles are going to start Jalen Hurts right now, presumably. He was the 53rd pick in the draft at Oklahoma. So they're basically sending Carson on, on his way and replacing him with the 53rd pick, which is a you know mid-second-round pick. And that's kind of where I think you have to start right now. That's Brian Baldinger on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score talking about Carson Wentz and what you do or do not give up for the Philadelphia quarterback, whom the Eagles presumably are still trying to trade. I'm Mark Grody here with you on the score until 10 o'clock, 312-644-6767. If you want to text or call, you can find me on Twitter as well, at Mark Grody Sports. And I am happy to have a partner in crime, one of the guys that covers the Bears with me every single day. He's been doing it a lot longer than me. He is the one and only Hub Arkish. What's going on, Hub? How are you, man? I'm good. I'm kind of dreading as soon as we get done going out into the frozen tundra with the dogs. But other than that, everything is good. So uh, no complaints. Yeah, that's the downside of dogs. They keep you they keep you active. But yeah. in the winter, you just hope that the dog does his business or her business and gets back into the hub household, right? Well, the good news is they like it. So, uh, you know, for, for <laughs> two, three times a day, it's not all that bad. That's good. A happy dog is just makes me smile. Hub, mm-hmm. when is something going to happen with the Bears quarterback situation? Do you think that um, soon or will you have to wait a while? Yeah, I don't think it's imminent. I, you know, the new league year doesn't even start for over a month uh, or, well, actually a little less than a month now. Um, you know, there, there are so many different names out there, so many different teams trying to make deals buyers and sellers uh, but I think in particular the sellers right now are, are trying to, to drive the price up as high as they can you know and uh, I think if you're a buyer with, with the number of options that you have there's certainly no reason to overpay uh, I think that probably most teams that are considering acquiring a quarterback have set some parameters for themselves they probably have a budget and this is where they're willing to go so this is going to take a little time to flush itself out so does that mean that there is a good chance that somebody like Carson Wentz stays put with the Philadelphia Eagles? Or would a team like the Bears or the Colts come up and say, yeah, we'll give you our first-round pick? 
Well, I, I mean, each each of the quarterbacks that play is different. Uh, you know, I, I I don't think a first round pick, the twentieth pick in the first round, is uh, is overreaching for Carson Wentz. I I really like you know Brian Baldinger and all his brothers, but I have no idea where his logic was uh, in that cut we just heard. What is the fact? that Jalen Hurts was the 53rd pick have to do with what you get for Carson Wentz. I mean, Carson Wentz was the second overall pick, and, and he actually had uh, a couple seasons where he was in the MVP conversation. And in 2017, he was the front runner until he got hurt, you know. So um, uh, if, if that was all it was, if it was the Bears' number one for Carson Wentz, uh, I can tell you that at 20, maybe Mac Jones is there. And I'd certainly rather have Carson Wentz than Mac Jones. You know, you're not going to get uh, any of the first four, you know, top quarterback prospects. So uh, I think it's something you'd have to take a hard look at if that's the direction that you're going in. I, the fascinating dynamic to me with Carson Wentz and the Bears is that on one hand, we see this natural connection with Flip. John Filippo was his quarterback coach, uh, you know, uh, in Philadelphia. But then you flip it around, and Doug Peterson is, is Matt Nagy's best friend, and he basically just got Doug Peterson fired. So I don't know, you know, what the the feeling around Hallis Hall is about Wentz. We have these unsubstantiated, uh, I shouldn't say unsubstantiated, unconfirmed reports uh, that the Bears are, are one of the teams that's serious about him. So that tells you that that probably DeFilippo is, is is pushing from the inside, and and that, that I know Ryan liked him coming out of school. Uh, you know, so it's a possibility, but I, I just think it's too early. I, I, I would love to know, uh, A, if the, the, the Raiders will deal Marcus Mariota or Derek Carr, and if they will, what the price tag is, uh, you know, because I got to believe, I mean, if it's Mariota, they can't expect to get more than a four or a five. They signed him as a free agent. Uh, and even if it was Derek Carr, I don't think you're getting the number one for him. So uh, there, there's other guys that certainly are worth at least considering and looking at, and my guess is that the Bears are over are, are going over all of these different, uh, uh, you know, possibilities. Do you think Mariota's a guy that could be a starting quarterback, a successful starting quarterback in the NFL still? Well, I, I think the odds are probably close to as good as Carson Wentz. You know, again, you're talking about another number two overall pick. You know, and 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 a guy who absolutely had some success in Tennessee before it came apart. And and so. Um, do I think that he is quite the prospect right now that, that Wentz is? No, but I think the price tag is going to be a lot lower. And I think the Bears are going to draft a quarterback, you know, whether they mm-hmm. do it in the first round or the fifth round. You're going to get a developmental young quarterback, and you're going to bring in a veteran in free agency, unless Nick Foles is still here, uh, who probably is going to be the starter if you draft one in the first round. So uh, I think there's going to be multiple quarterback uh, acquisitions for the Bears, not just one. I agree with that. And, you know, as it pertains to names like Marcus Mariota, and I think that the reason, I mean, the name's out there and it's been talked about a little bit, but Mariota is kind of over there in the corner. And the problem is, Hub, and tell me if you agree or disagree, the Bears, unfortunately, have put themselves in a position where they can't take a lot of chances. Like they can't take a chance on a reclamation project and depend on that. Like somebody like Mariota to be your number one or compete for the starting quarterback job. And again, for better or for worse, Carson Wentz might be the least risky in that regard relative to some of the other names. Do you agree with that, that they just can't take chances, like with somebody like Mariota, and I'm sure there's others parallel to him as well? 
Well, you know, Mark, I think it, it may be more about the ceilings, you know, and, and how good these guys can be. Because if you go back and look, Marcus Mariota never really failed in Tennessee. He he personally wasn't playing all that badly when they went to Ryan Tannehill. The team wasn't winning. They decided to, to try something different, make a change, and Tannehill took off. Uh, you know, but but it's not like Mariota. Mariota didn't have the kind of season that Wentz had this year. So um, I don't think his ceiling is probably quite as high as what we thought, you know, Carson Wentz's was coming out of school. Uh, but but I think he certainly is a guy that you can probably win with uh, uh, and who can win playoff games. He did it at Tennessee. He beat the Kansas City Chiefs, as a matter of fact, uh, a couple of years ago. So um, I, I just, last year, going into free agency and, and, and trades and whatever it may be, when there were a lot fewer quarterbacks available, but there were a few bigger names, uh, I said on the air a number of times, the only two guys I'd be looking at right now are Nick Foles and Marcus Mariota based on the acquisition cost and, and, and what I thought that the Bears needed. And so uh, a year later, I feel the same way about Mariota. I, I think based on you know the fact that he wouldn't cost all that much and, and he definitely has shown the ability to, to play in and win playoff games in the NFL – uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't hate the move. I'm not saying it's the best move available to the Bears, uh, but I, I think it's interesting because it allows you to retain a lot of assets because there's a lot of other things that have to be fixed. It's not like this team is one quarterback away from the Super Bowl. And, and I know that's kind of what Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were trying to sell when they talk about being close. Uh, and they are closer than most fans realize because this defense is arguably as or more talented than 2018. And if they get back to playing at that level, and now you've got a running game with a David Montgomery who looks to be the real thing, and you find a way to bring back an Allen Robinson, um, it's not like there's that much else to do, but you have to address that offensive line, particularly the tackles, particularly left tackle. And I would really love to have a first or at least a second and third choice you know, still in my pocket to be able to take a couple cracks at that too. Yeah, that's... That's really interesting. I, I agree with you on the tackles. You can definitely upgrade there. I don't even know if if Massey is going to be around, but what what a difference it made when they they did restore order this year with Sam. I mean, I don't know how long they could hold on with that, but with Sam Mustafer at center and bringing a Fetty inside and Alex Bars on the inside and then you know Leno or excuse me a Fetty kicking to the outside, but. Yeah, I mean, you still have some some real questions there. And I was wondering that out loud at the beginning of the show. And it has to do with, with Nick Foles' hub. And then I went back and watched the, the Jacksonville, excuse me, the, the Atlanta game. And I'm like, why was Foles so good that day? And then I went back and watched another one of the, the bad Foles games, and that was the Rams game. And, you know, there was, there was you know, there was some poise there was some elusiveness. There was some presence of mind in the Atlanta game, and that was all gone by the Rams game. And I, I have a hard time believing that Foles is just done and dead and and no good anymore for the NFL. I'm not saying start Foles, but if it did come down to that, I'm not as afraid as everybody else. My long-winded question to you, Hub, is what the hell happened to Nick Foles this year or last year, and do you think there is still good in him? Well, I, I think there's two things there, uh, you know, Mark. Number one, uh, it, it just, you got to throw it out. I, I mean, the guy did not meet his teammates until the first day of training camp. <laughs> literally, literally didn't meet them. You know, you know, forget, 
you know, no off-season workout program, no OTAs, no mini camps, you, you know, and even training camp was kind of a joke. And, and then he's not the starter, so he's sitting and watching for a couple weeks. And, and when he got on the field against Atlanta, it was pure adrenaline. And, and it was Atlanta, you know, whose biggest problem all year was a pass rush. And, and so he had a chance to go out there and do some things. What had happened by the Rams game is the, the constant pressure uh, and the poor play of the offensive line had gotten to the point where he was struggling anticipating pressure. I mean, most of his problems were not from being rushed, you know, continually uh, and constantly being under pressure. It was that there was enough rush that he started to anticipate it and he was just completely off his game. So, so I think there's a very good chance that Nick Foles can still be a good starting quarterback for you somewhere. Uh, I'm not saying great. I'm not, he's not going to be a franchise quarterback, but we know he can be a Super Bowl MVP if he can get there. So, no, I absolutely would not write off Nick Foles, but I do think you got to have a plan B, you know, based on what you saw last year. And, and the other thing that intrigues me, I, I keep hearing, you know, whenever we start talking about this offensive line, his tackles, people talk about Bobby Massey, and I understand why. I, you know, he's been injured quite a bit the last two years, but when he's been on the field, he's a better right tackle than Charles Leno is a left tackle. <laughs> so um, I, I just I'm far more concerned. And, and actually, when you, when you look at their cap issues and, and two of the most obvious contracts that would give you the most relief uh, in, in terms of your own players are Massey and Leno. And, and, and I don't see keeping either one of them, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I don't think you get much worse if you let them both go. Uh, combined, there is about a, I think it's about a 12 or $13 million cap savings there, which they desperately need. And you can play a couple of journeymen or a couple of rookies and get the same out of them. You want to get better, obviously, but you don't have to worry about getting too much worse. So um, I, I just, I don't understand why either one of them would be back. Yeah, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Alex Bars could even play on the on the outside. I mean, that's I don't think that's out of the question. And w- w- James Daniels, obviously, you hope he's back in 100% and healthy next year. Is he going to go in at center? Is he guard? I mean, because you can't put Cody Whitehair back at center, can you? Well, no, I think you want to play Sam Mustafer now. I mean, you, okay. you know, Just keep him he, there. All right. I thought he earned the job. He, you know, okay. they, they raved about the, you know, the. The, the way he understands the position, the way he made the calls, the way he identified things. If you were determined to have James Daniels at guard when you didn't have a center, I think you'd probably want him at guard when you do have a center. And, and Cody Whitehair has been fine at center, but it's pretty obvious to anybody, I think, that he's a better guard. And people have to remember that he never played anything but left tackle in college. He was a starter at left tackle for four years at Kansas State. So um, I don't think he goes back outside. I think he's meant to play inside in the NFL. But but you are actually, you know, for all the talk about how bad that line is, if, if you're now going to line up, you know, white here on one side, uh, uh, Daniels on the other side, Mustafer in the middle, and you got Alex Bars as depth, uh, you know, he, he did play tackle early at Notre Dame, but he was projected more as a guard uh, than a tackle. He's probably strictly a left tackle in the NFL because he is fairly athletic and has good feet and, and the finesse you want. I don't know if he's quite strong enough or enough of a mauler to play on the right side, um, but I feel good about the interior of the line. You know, they, they say they like Arlington Hambright, too, um, uh, you know, who's going to be inside. Uh, and Rashad Coward, you know, he's a free agent, but he's a restricted free agent. So I think you got all kinds of options inside. I think you got to address those two tackle positions. All right, I like it. I, you know, I, I, 
I hope Mustafer is the answer, and that would be quite a find at center if he can be the guy going forward, considering that he he was an undrafted guy. A couple questions from uh, listeners. First of all, from Mark on Twitter, asking about Gardner Minshew, and he puts the 37 TDs, 11 interceptions for Jacksonville in the last two years. Hope, what do you think of Gardner Minshew? Well, very quickly, Mark, I just want to remind our audience that possibly the most deserving Hall of Famer who's not in the Hall of Fame right now uh, was also an undrafted rookie free agent center, and that was Jay Hilgenberg. And, and, yes, and so it was. I, I, I'm not projecting Sam Mustafer to Canton, <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> no reason to believe that he can't be a pretty good football player for you. I like Gard- it. I like it. Yeah, Gardner Minshew's a guy. You know, I mean, he's a fifth-round quarterback who uh, did some nice things for Jacksonville. But, um, you know, he also was the starting quarterback of the worst team in the NFL. Uh, They're not interested in retaining him. Uh, And and so I don't know why he'd be uh, a a good option for the Bears. I mean, you're looking for a better option than Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. And I haven't seen anything to suggest to me that Minshew's a better option than those two. All right, and then one text question for you I'm going to throw at you, and I don't like this idea at all, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Keem Hicks, what do you think he could return in a draft pick if traded, four or five? Oh, I think you could probably get a three, but but there's no way whatever you got would be worth what you get if you keep them. You know, I mean, it, it, it just... It, you know, you get these people who come up with these trades. It's because somehow they're focused on rebuilding or something. And, and, yeah, and it and makes they can, they're not doing that. It, it makes yeah. no sense. I, I mean, Akeem Hicks is only 31 years old. You know, I yeah. mean, did anybody see Adama Kinsu at, at 34 and Jason Pierre-Paul at 32 last Sunday? Oh, my God. I, yeah. I mean, you know, he's been hurt. You know, the, the elbow injury was devastating. He did look like he was doing, you know, pretty good shape early in the season. And then he, he pulled that hamstring, and it clearly bothered him the rest of the year. Um, but how you're better off with a third-round pick than you are with a Pro Bowl-level, you know, five technique, it doesn't make any sense to me. So, uh, and that's assuming I'm right that you can get a third-round pick. But I think you could because I think that's who he is. That's where he was drafted originally, and he's played beyond that. So I would think that maybe you could get that, but I don't know why you'd want to. And then here, here's the the last question because this is my question. Then I'm gonna let you go walk your dog, Hub. But um, <laughs> I haven't heard your opinion. What do you think about the the Mike Pettin hiring? And what question do you want to ask Sean Desai when we get a chance to talk to him on Monday? Um, you know, I think the patent hiring is interesting. Uh, I, I think it probably was necessary. Uh, you, you look at not just Sean, but his staff, and it's got to be one of the least NFL experienced staffs I've ever seen. Um, uh, I think Patton is probably a pretty good fit. I love the fact uh, that, that Patton um, and, and Vic Fangio were together for three years in Baltimore. Um, and, and, you know, he, he did a pretty good job in Green Bay. I don't really understand why they fired him, to be honest with you. I, I thought that he significantly outcoached his talent. Uh, so I have no problem with it. And the question that I want to ask Sean, if somebody doesn't get to it first, is what his understanding is of the working relationship between him and Mike Pettin. Think we'll get an answer? I feel like we're always trying to figure those things out. Who does what and what, like, with, especially with the offensive coaches? I wonder if we'll get an answer out of that. It's a great question, though. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I, we'll get an answer. I don't know whether it'll tell us anything or not. It'll say right, something. Right. But, I mean, it, it, it is interesting if you think about it. You know, there were, I don't want to say better candidates, but certainly 
more experienced, more promotable, more defendable candidates out there, and yet they, they go from within and, and, and give it to Sean Desai, who they tell us they think is brilliant and is ready. And then before he ever has his first meeting or draws up his first coverage, they're bringing in Mike Patton to assist him. So clearly the Bears aren't convinced he's ready or they wouldn't be bringing Mike Patton in. And, and so that's now the next step, I think, is so, okay, how is this relationship going to work? I mean, is, is Desai the boss and does Mike Patton work for him or are they co-equals or, or you know, how are they going to make this uh, uh, be a positive situation for him? It is a great question. And Hub, I can't keep you indoors any longer. You're going to have to get outside and walk the pup, okay? I was hoping you'd invite me to stay for another half hour. So, but, what's, your, what's your golden's name again? What's your uh, name? Well, uh, we've got uh, Mason, and then we've got uh, Molly the Mutt. Uh, and sadly, we lost our other golden. Uh, she, she died rather young to cancer uh, oh, uh, a little over a year ago. But we've got Mason and Molly. And okay. they're sitting here staring at me, asking why I'm stalling. <laughs> so uh, I think we'll get them out and let them do their business. Hub, thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. Mark, take care, man. All right. That is the one and only Hub Arkish. I love Hub, man. Like when he, he's, he's one of those guys. Like when he's on the score, I'm like, I'm either making an appointment to listen or I'm rewinding on the radio.com app. I want to know what Hub's, I don't agree with everything Hub says, but it's always substantive when it comes to, to Hub Arkish. 312-644-6767 is the number. I'm Mark Grody. And yeah, as far as the, the, yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Like what does Mike Pettin do? Uh, and what does Sean Desai do? You know, Deshaun, by definition, Sean Desai is the defensive coordinator and Mike Pettin, they did put the title assistant to his name. I don't have his exact title in front of me, but it ended with assistant. I, I have a feeling that the Bears didn't know they were going to hire Mike Pettin, but my guess is that they did tell Sean Desai that, you know, we're giving you this job, man. You are going to be the defensive coordinator. You will be paid as a defensive coordinator, all that kind of stuff. But we're taking a chance on you, man, and we're not in a – again, I always talk about risk-taking. The Bears are not in a position right now to take a lot of crazy big-step risks because i got to get it right. So they probably told Sean Desai, we like you. We like what you've done. We like what we think you can do. But since you've never done it and we got to get it right, we might bring in some help for you and assistance. Um, that's very possible. Or – or Pettin was available, and they said we got to find a we got to find a way to use this guy Mike Pettin because we love Mike Pettin. And Matt Nagy has always loved Mike Pettin. Speaks like in genuine glowing terms about Mike Pettin every time Matt Nagy's been asked about Pettin when the Bears were. I, I feel I swear I mean like every time he was asked, it was a long again. I'll use the word again, substantive answer about Mike Pettin and his love for him. But Desai is the guy. He yeah he is finally meeting with the media, meeting with all of us. Um, on Zoom on Monday. So can't wait to let people find out what Sean Desai is all about. I'm looking forward to getting learning more about him and what he is going to do as the boss. I've had a chance to talk to him a couple of times as, as an assistant, but this is obviously a completely different role. And I think that you know we'll get some good stuff out of that on Monday. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. When we return, let's talk about the Chicago Bulls. We're going to do that next year on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. 
Sato off a side screen on the left from Young in front to Valentine. Right side, Kobe. Yes! From three-point range. Kobe with eight threes. He's got 30. And the, the backcourt of White and Levine have combined for 67. Quite a night for the Chicago Bulls last night. Right here on the score, Chuck Swirsky with the call. The Bulls ended up beating uh, New Orleans 129-116. to 116. Kobe White, that, that was his total. He had 30 points last night, eight three-pointers like Chuck told you. Zach Levine, a 46-point night, 17 of 25 from the field. He had nine three-pointers. As we welcome you back into the score, I'm Mark Grody. Yeah, it was that was a get well game last night for the Bulls. One of those the proverbial the Bulls needed it type of game. They they ran up the numbers, stuffed the box score, and it was uh, it was substance filled because it wasn't one of those hollow feeling 46 points or 30 points. And the Bulls hit 25 three pointers last night. That is a Bulls franchise record, believe it or not. But that's the era in which the NBA is played. I mean, you you. We keep here seeing like Steve Kerr's name pop up in Bulls lore, even Jordan and some of these other guys. Like when when that's what the three point shot was, bringing in a sharpshooter, a guy like a you know a Craig Hodges or Steve Kerr, you know it changed so much. You know everybody shoots the three now. Back then it was a specialty sharpshooter position. You got to have one of these special guys who could just hit the three. Who cares what else he does? Doesn't matter. He, he could he could hit those long shots from beyond the arc. Now everybody is doing it. It's just the way it works. But the guy I want to talk about from the Bulls' very successful night, um, number one is Kobe White and the eight three pointers last night and the thirty points he scored. We were talking about this last night, and I think that Kobe White has he's one guy that has been mishandled this year by Billy Donovan in terms of not necessarily the way he has tried to use him, but the message that he has given to him, his critiques of him. He's the only guy I feel like that Billy Donovan has been critical of through the media, which is fine. But for whatever reason, it's not, it hasn't worked with Kobe. He has, I think he's been conflicted on being the floor general and getting everybody involved. And that that has hurt his own scoring, which is his bread and butter. It is what he has to offer for the NFL. And Billy Donovan has even said, even going back to the preseason, I don't care about your box score. I don't care about how many points you score. I don't care if you go three for 30. I'm more interested in you getting everybody lined up. And he was saying that out loud, you know, to Kobe, to the media. And I think that this was this this is one guy who is is conflicted in what he is supposed to do out there. So I think that they have to pull back a little bit and coach him differently and put him in different positions in which to succeed. So I actually put that on Billy Donovan. I want to play a couple of cuts. Billy Donovan before the game yesterday. This is this is ironic because of all the points that Kobe White scored, but before the game yesterday, the questions that were coming Billy Donovan's way were is it time to to take Kobe White out of the starting lineup? Here's Billy Donovan. We have had, he and I, a lot of discussions, you know, over the last week or 10 days. And I will say this about Kobe. He's a, a really, really hard worker. He knows there's things he's got to figure out. He's 20 years old. And, you know, I would just say this. Kobe starting the game has nothing to do with us winning or losing. So whether he's coming off the bench or he's starting – 
we still need him to continue to develop and get better. And he has been committed to doing that. There are things, you know, that that he's having to learn that that he's been very, very open and honest about. And but he continues to work on those things. And, you know, I, I've tried to because of we've had, you know, so many players out, try to find different lineups in different games or if a group's going good, try to go with them a little bit longer. But, you know, whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench, you know, we've got to try to help him and f- help him find ways to, you know, play well and help our team. So it's possible. So it is possible, you know, reading between the lines that Kobe White could be turned back into a sixth man, which is what he has done actually the majority of his very short career because he was mostly a sixth or seventh man coming off the bench until finally he became a starter. Oh, and then the NBA season ended. Um, so so he's right about that. I mean, Billy Donovan is right. He, they, they need to develop him. They need to make him better. They need to do a better job, does the coaching staff. And I'm not saying that they won't. They just haven't done it yet. They haven't put him in the perfect position to succeed. Now, last night he did succeed. And I think that was the first game in like three games where he scored in the first half. Like, that's that's pretty amazing. So there was some screw it in Kobe White last night. It was like, I'm shooting today i am not conflicted and maybe that maybe that was maybe there was a talk maybe maybe billy donovan did talk to kobe white and say look <laughs> we actually do need you to score remember what i said about the whole like get everybody in position and all that stuff you know that sounds good but actually i need you to go ahead and uh make some baskets in the first half and hit some threes and you know make get some assists and all that kind of stuff but we need you to shoot and score and i think that Ultimately, that's where it's going to head for Kobe White. I mean, he is the part that makes it hard to speak in absolutes for any of these players, and especially Kobe White, is because Kobe White's 20 years old. You know, I mean, he, he's learning the NBA game as so many young players do because of the lack of college time that that player, almost all good players get. You know, they're one and done or two and done or whatever the case may be. So they got to learn at the NBA level. And, I, and Billy Donovan is having to learn about him as well. But I, let's listen to now Billy Don. And I haven't heard this yet, but I asked our producer, Brandon Fryer, to, to get the, the pregame. And now I want to hear what Billy Donovan was saying after the game about Kobe White. Here it is. He's 20 years old, and it's the first time he did it. Last year, he really wasn't doing probably what I'm asking him to do. It's a little bit different. He was a rookie, came off the bench, wasn't in the rotation, then was in the rotation, and then scored a bunch of points. And this is an evolution for him, and it's going to take a little bit of time, and it's going to be some ups and downs and rocky roads. And listen, there's been times where he has not played well, and I've kind of you know taken him out and put someone else in. And, you know, he's great with that. But I, I do have confidence that he's not one of these guys that's going to pout or sulk. You know, you know when he comes out of the game – you know, if he hasn't played well, you can rest assured he's going to try to go back in there and, and give you everything he has the next time he goes out there. I think the thing that he's learning, you know, being a point guard is when he does drive into the teeth of the defense and he gets in amongst a lot of bigger people, in particular centers at the basket. Those are the shots that I think he's got to work on in terms of maybe not being tempted to take a couple of those and maybe keep his dribble alive and get it back out, maybe create a switch, get, you know, the ball to the next side. And I think he's done a pretty good job of that. Uh, but he's going to, you know, like he's going to work to get better Darnell and he's, he's kind of got that mentality. And the one thing I give him credit for is when he's not playing well, there is a internal drive to him that almost like has this, like, I'll show you kind of mentality. And I love that because the league is so good to so many great players. You've got to have bounce back ability. And I think he really does. He's a great internal belief and confidence in himself. And I give him a lot of credit because a lot of times when guys miss shots, it could last the whole entire game or it could last several games. 
he's got like he believes the next one's going back going going to go down and i i really respect that and admire that from him he just i think is really eager to improve and get better and he's very very competitive and i think he's probably dealt with a lot of that you know throughout the course of his life where you know there's been a lot of people that maybe have second guessed or doubted him in different points and juncture you know throughout his life and in 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 competitive sports and I, I think it's built up a resiliency in him that, you know, he's, I think, learned that he's got to have a belief in himself. And he's also very, very accountable to, you know, when he doesn't play well on either end of the floor, you know, assuming responsibility and wanting to do better. And you see him out there trying to do better. You see him out there trying to do those things. All right. What Billy Donovan was saying there, that is spot on. I was kind of indicating that last night i think that billy donovan and i suddenly are simpatico because kobe white there's been a bunch of games this year where and i'm just pointing out how he hasn't been scoring in the first half but like he'll then hit like a big shot in the fourth quarter like out of nowhere all of a sudden he'll hit like a game time like at least three occasions this year where he's had bad shooting games and he's been bad in the first half or the third quarter or whatever the case, against Washington the other day, he hits like a big two to tie the game. He hits a big three in the fourth quarter earlier this year. Like, he, he does have that that fearless thing down. And that's not something we should underestimate. I mean, that that is not to be taken lightly. Because I, I don't think, I think most players don't have that. That whole thing where if you get cold, you're like, I, I, I want to go curl up and go, no, I don't want to take the shot in the fourth. It's like Jonathan Quinn. No, I don't want to go in and quarterback. I'd much prefer to be second string. But Kobe White is, no doubt about it, man, he is fearless. What Kobe White is, it's kind of a dreaded word in sports. He's a project. Kobe White is a project. That's that's what he has been. However, because of his ability to score and the talent that exists, I think that that's the direction in which it's trending. And that that is going to mean that he's probably not going to be a point guard forever. Um, and that he'll be a scorer, but a lot of it remains to be seen. Denzel Valentine has been impressive as well. He had four threes last night. He's got the old man game, the OMG game, as uh, St- Stacey King and Adam Amin said. I wonder if I got to give, um, I think I got to give Valentine a lot of credit because those guys, man, and it's hilarious, but Amin and King, they, they every time he <laughs> takes a two, it's they laugh. They laugh at him because he has the old man game. OMG. And they're right. They're right. And they're coming up with like old school sponsors for him. So I got to give Valentine credit for, for taking that and going with the flow. But he's actually been pretty good. And then, man, Zion Williamson, 29 points last night. He's just a brute. He's so thick. And he looks the same as he did last year, like body type wise. But a lot of people were saying he was out of shape and he needs to lose weight. Um, I don't know. I don't know that that's the case. I mean, he doesn't look like everybody else on the court these days, the way players are built. Zion Williamson is to some degree, I don't know, it would be too easy and too cliche to say he's like a throwback, Charles Barkley kind of guy. I mean, he's thicker than Charles, and Charles is thick for sure, man, that lower body. And he is old school in that that he is he's going to be an inside scorer. You know, you're not going to until maybe the end of his career like a lot of these big guys they, they everybody wants to have a 3. 
Zion's going to be your your low post guy who is going to push guys around, and he was doing that to the Bulls last night. So he, Zion is still very interesting to watch. He had 29 quiet points, I would say, but his presence is, is felt, like, literally. Bulls win last night. The Bulls host the Clippers tomorrow night, so hopefully they can put a couple of nice games uh, back-to-back together. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, one of the things I want to do is tell you about um, I am in training. I'm going to tell you what I am in training for when we return on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago, Chicago Sports, Sports Station. Station. Mark Roddy with you here on The Score until 10 o'clock tonight. Coming up in 15 minutes, 9 o'clock, top of the hour. You are going to want to be here for Chris Ranji. We're going to be kicking it with Chris. That's right, kicking it. So we'll talk about sports and other things with Ranj and in an idea that Ranji floated out to me that we will discuss and workshop on the radio here on The Score. So Ranji at 9 o'clock. Hopefully I'll have some time to get into some baseball topics that I would like to discuss. I have plenty of um, time for leftovers, though, because I'll be on, on Saturday morning with Steve Rosenblum uh, for the for the suckage starting at 11 o'clock, and then also be on on Sunday, this Sunday, 9 a.m. until noon. So we'll have a lot of time together. I am in training right now. I am in what I call post-pandemic training. Um, As sucky as everything is right now, because this is like the worst of it, fortunately not in terms of, of the death count. That's obviously the worst of all of that has happened you know, number one for sure. But right now in Chicago proper, the weather is horrid. So you're already not wanting to go outside. And then there's really nothing you can do still these days just for fear of the pandemic and COVID-19. So this is like actually maybe the roughest time because it's the coldest it's been. So, um, but I came to realize that the post-pandemic training is necessary because people will once again see me. I am one of those people, and maybe I'm like you, where you don't go into an office anymore. So I rarely see people at all. Like, nobody sees me. I mean, I go, I, I actually went into the studio for the first time the other day, for the first time in probably months, um, just because I had to pick some stuff up. But I don't really see anybody. Like, my parents, occasionally, because it's safe, and we're all safe and all that kind of stuff. But I... So I don't need to necessarily look that great, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I have been trying. I have been saying, you know what, this is going to end soon. All of a sudden, there could be some degree of normalcy, and you're going to be around people, and maybe a lot of people, and people are going to see you again. So I've been trying to get in great shape once again. Not good shape, but great shape. So I want to look good when things end. You know, when this is done, I'm going to come out of it not being a fatty. Um, I'm okay right now. I'm not a fatty, but I, I got I still need to tighten some things up. So I am being health. I am dieting. Um, I am working out on a daily basis. All that good stuff. And there was an interruption last night. So I do a show last night, and then my plan was I I've got some some chicken and some green beans that I'm gonna have for dinner with like a whole wheat pasta side, you know, safely ounced and all that kind of stuff. And get, I'm going to watch the Bulls. I got my night all planned. I just get off the air. And then I get a text from a buddy who says, hey, I'm outside your place right now. I live in a high-rise downtown. Hey, I'm, in your, uh, I'm at your place right now. Come on, come on down. I'll take you out for dinner. 
And I'm like, ah, I'm like, my, my first instinct is no. Cause you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm breaking it all down for the night. You know, I've got the, the comfortable pants on the t-shirt. I'm not kept. I'm not kept at the moment, you know, not shot. None of that stuff. Right. Getting, I got, I got my night at home planned. Bulls basketball and a healthy dinner and then bed. And then I got this buddy of mine saying, come on down. And I'm like, my first thing is no. Then he's like, Gibson's on me. So I'm like, oh, God. Okay, now I got to go. Plus, I love this guy. So I said, give me 10 minutes. Let's let's go to Gibson's. So the plan was go to Gibson's. And who wants to go to Gibson's and not get a steak? But I did it. I, I showed some restraint. I was very proud of myself. I got I got the I got the salmon. Uh, I got a salad with some spinach and that was really about it. Very disappointing. Not, <laughs> no, it's great. They do salmon. Great. I'm just saying like, I usually get a steak if I'm Gibson's. Right. Um, so I did, I did really well. And then, and then the, of course that's the clear the plates and the, the server comes back and says, would you guys like dessert? And my buddy looks at me and says, you want dessert? You want dessert? I'm like, nah. I'm good. Again, showing discipline. But he says, yeah, you know, give me a piece of that. Give me a piece of that carrot cake. So he gets a carrot cake. And then I and then the server's looking at me and my buddy's looking at me. I said, all right, you know what? Make it two. What the hell? And my, my plan was the plan was, you know, take a couple bites and then just sort of push it off to the side and throw wrappers in it and put silver on top of it and lay, lay the this food is dead napkin over it, you know, as a form of discipline. So then, you know, it's been a while since I've been to Gibson's, so I forgot that when they bring you a dessert at Gibson's, it's like the whole cake. And they bring out this massive mongoloid of, like, oh, my God, decadent, like a, a half a piece of cake, basically, almost as high as the ceiling. I love to exaggerate. But, you know, if you've ever been to Gibson's, and if you haven't, it's just like... It's obnoxiously big, and then it's obnoxiously delicious. So the waiter cuts us both a piece. Like there's, it's literally seven to eight pieces worth of cake, right? I mean, I'm not exaggerating there. So he cuts off two, you know, relatively thin pieces of cake, and I ate the whole piece of cake, and I'm still like, okay, I've done all right. You know, this this diet allows, like I do the Weight Watchers points thing, and it allows for some extra points. So. I was good with that, but then we're just sitting there, and there, there's this whole damn cake in front of us still, right? So of course my fork is dangling and still picking at it, like literally picking at this cake, and eating it. And then you know the waiter comes and says, "Oh, do you guys want this wrapped?" And I go to my buddy, I said, "You, you take, you take the cake home." You know, he's, he's got a wife, and I said, "Take, take it to your wife. You let, let her eat this cake." And then he said, no, 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 you take it, you take it. And, and finally, after going back and forth with the the courtesy argument. I take the cake home, this massive piece of delicious cheesecake icing, um, carrot cake. And so I, I do take it home thinking I'll just throw this thing in the fridge. You know what? I'll bring it to my parents. I'll, 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 you know, I'm going to my parents this weekend. I'll, I'll give it to them. <laughs> well, what do you think happens? I get home and you know how, when you're on a diet and you're training, you're always kind of hungry. So I was like, there's no way this cake is going to, unless I throw this cake out right now, there's no way this is not going to get attacked by me right now. So I just, I, I left it on the counter for a second. I broke it down again, got into my comfortable clothes and uh, got myself a fork. And uh, I attacked that carrot cake 
pretty good. I mean, to the point where I was, and again, when you're on a diet, like you fill up quickly. So I was like, I ate so much cake. I was like feeling sick and I ate a big, like I, it was a big mistake moment. You know what I mean? Like I went to school on this cake and like I said, like to the point where I'm like feeling sick and, and, um, yeah. So, right. It was, it was what we call a cheat night. And I, I ended up throwing the rest of the cake away because I had to, I, I was like, you know what? Even if I put this in the fridge right now, in, as full as I am, I will eat this in the. I will have coffee and carrot cake this tomorrow morning. So I threw the carrot cake away, and uh, right now that carrot cake is living in a dumpster. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that is the uh, that is the story of my diet and of my training. Because, and I think you should all consider that if you are one of those who is relatively isolated to your family, if you are a single person like I am, just be ready. Be ready. All of a sudden, it's going to be lights, camera, action. You know what I mean? It's like it's like preparing for the summer when you know you're going to be swimming and you're, you're, people are going to see you with your shirt off. It's different now. Everybody's going to see you again. So tighten it up. Get back in shape. Maybe get back on a shower schedule. That's probably a good idea. But just be and look, I'm a single man, you know, it's t- I'm a single man in his 40s. It's tough out there. I got to be ready. I got to be ready for anything. You know, I can't afford to look bad. So that that's what's that's what's going through my brain right now. And that is the training that I am in. And so if you are a friend of mine, um, let's go ahead and not invite me out to dinner for delicious carrot cake anymore. No, that was it was actually so it like it actually felt really good to get out because I've been probably like you, like even though you're allowed to go in the restaurants, I have been avoiding them. But just to go to the, the Gibsons downtown last night and sit and enjoy some company, enjoy some salmon, enjoy some spinach, enjoy a side salad and then some damn carrot cake. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Was that good? Um, all right. There's really no other way to turn from here. So I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to bring in Chris Ranji to talk about sports and other stuff. I'm Mark Grody. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 